Okay. But we're going to start. We're going to we're going to learn something about the parsha of Tzitzis, which is a parsha that we say relatively often. Uh, and in the parsha of Tzitzis, there's an idea that's hard for us to uh, kind of accommodate. You see the psukim. That's it. Okay, so you know that this is an issue. Teal uh, is a string, but one of the strings coming down should be tchelet. The whole string, half the string. It's okay. uh, uh, more or less, thankfully, we didn't have to solve the problem of how to do it because we lost the tchelet. Even though today they're trying to rejuvenate Tchelet a little bit, that's a, I guess a nice idea, but the thing about rejuvenating history is that you never know. You know, sort of never know. So. Either it's right or it's wrong. But you know, in modern times, this has happened several times, this idea that Tchelet could be uh, refound or re, uh, renewed and that we know how to do it because the Gemara says you have to make it from a kind of a fish or a kind of a shellfish that uh, is found someplace or other on the coast of Lebanon so we have to find it so you can't just do use blue or purple or what they call royal purple the Romans called it royal purple because they they forbade this is how the whole trouble started that they forbade anybody using the dye who was not part of the royal family or royalty. The royalty was allowed to use purple, this royal purple, but non-royalty was not allowed to use it. So eventually, and they would punish you if you, so if the Jews were walking around with these royal purple strings hanging out of their clothes, so they didn't like that. So the Jews stopped using it and then they forgot exactly how to do it. So in modern times, there have been several attempts at re-instating uh, Tchelet. But as I said at the beginning of this short uh, uh, excursus, it's hard to know in, in these kinds of things when you're right. Like, you know, archaeologists think that they know about what happened once. But they're not always right. And so here you have a case where who knows who's right. I mean, maybe they're right, the guys who are selling Tchelis. But maybe they're not. So in any event, that's Tchelis. That's Pasuk Lamed And then it says, Vayalachem Tzitzit. I mean, again, we're used to these Psukim, uh, so we're not uncomfortable with them. But it says, Vayalachem Tzitzit, Uri Temoto. I mean, it's sort of like a pretty heavy trip to put on tzitzit. Right? Like you do, there's tefillin, there's tzitzit, there's mezuzah, there's kashrus, there all kinds of mitzvahs that we do. Tzitzit is given the following job. tzitzit. Right after you make the tzitzit, after you have tzitzit on the beged, uri temoto, then you look at the tzitzit, uzchartem et kol mitzvot Hashem. And this is like the hard part. Why is it that if you look at tzitzit, it reminds you of all the mitzvot Hashem? If you say, one mitzvah naturally reminds you of other mitzvot that you do, so then it's not germane to tzitzit. Any mitzvah. You could say any mitzvah reminds you of all the mitzvot. Or if you say that the tzitzit are special because they remind you of all the mitzvot in a special way, then it's hard to know what that special way is. Hard to know. So if you look at the Rashi, Rashi says in Pasuk 
Lamed Tet. I mean, this is the Rashi that we're interested in. Even though all the Rashis are on the on the the page, so you could look at the Rashis. Uzchartem et Kol Mitzvot Hashem Sheminyan Gematria Shel Tzitzit Sheish Meot. Okay, I, I, when somebody tells me Gematria, I never count it up ever because I don't want to be surprised. But we'll see what the Ramban says. Sheminyan Sheminyan Gematria Shel Tzitzit Sheish Meot. Then you count. Tzadi Yud, Tzadi Yud Tav, you get 600. Like 490 and 90 and 20. Okay. Ushmonechutin, Sharim, Harei Taryak. That's what Rashi says. That's what Rashi says. Now, even if we would accept the fact that Gematria is a reasonable Parshanut, right? You can interpret things through Gematria, and a Gematria is not just a way of remembering. But it's a, like a means of interpretation. So that means that in order for this pasuk to work, in order for this pasuk with zechartem, everybody has to be a little computer, like in the head, and you see psukim, and you're automatically counting them up, counting up all the words. When you get to this word, tzitzit, right, the computer works, and it comes out to 613. And that's why you remember all of the mitzvot. You also have to know that there are 613 mitzvot, which is something that we do know today, but before uh, the time of the Rishonim, right, even though the Gemara says, Tayag mitzvot shamarti, right, im lavan garti v'tayag mitzvot shamarti, I don't know if everybody knew that there were tayag mitzvot today. Today everybody says 613 mitzvot. But you say, what are they? Could you count 613 mitzvot? The Rambam says in the Sefer mitzvot, at the end of the mitzvot, I say he counts up all the mitzvot of the 613 that are relevant to men today. First he says men, then he says women. How many do you think there are? Take a guess. Out of 613, how many mitzvot are they? Less. 64. 64? Out of 613, that's all we have left, because all, the, all those mitzvot that have to do with Korbanot, that have to do with Beit HaMikdash, that have to do with Eretz Yisrael, all those mitzvot we don't have to do today. So, all we have left, and then the Rambam says, and women, 14 less. 14 says, really, you're getting down to almost nothing. It's easy to be a Jew. Everybody says, how to be a Jew? It's easy to be a Jew. How many are there? 40, I mean 50, I mean it's really... In any event, this is the problem. The problem is, how does tzitzit remind us of all the mitzvot? What's the... What really, I mean it can't be, as Rashi says, that, that everybody is a gematria machine. And everybody automatically sees things as a gematria. That's hard to believe. So let's go and let's learn the Ramban. And uh, the Ramban will explain it all to us. And uh, after that we can be happy. You see the Ramban? I'm in the first line of the Ramban. So the Ramban says, that's a simple pshat. That what the tzitzit do is they remind us of all the mitzvot. Below, yishkechu atzvat ozulata min ha-mitzvot. The Rambam says, if you wear tzitzis, or if you look at tzitzis, or if you say the word tzitzis, so you'll remember that you should keep Shabbos. I can't imagine such a thing. I think there are a lot of people in the world who keep Shabbos who don't wear tzitzis. I think. I mean, you know, or keep Shabbos after a fashion. I mean, the whole thing doesn't make sense. The time has mitzvot. He says, the time... Like, what does it mean? How does tzitzit remind me of all the mitzvot? Katav Rashi, Mibnei haminyan shal tzitzit b'gematria sheish me'ot, u'shmona chutin v'chamisha k'sharim arei taryak. V'loha minoti zeh. Now, the Ramban's interest is getting rid of this interpretation. The Ramban feels that this interpretation is unacceptable. So the Ramban says this. Lo havinoti zeh. Lo havinoti zeh means it's wrong. It doesn't mean 
I'm waiting for somebody to explain it to me. It means it's wrong. Why is it wrong? Shitzitzit b'Torah chaser yud. Because the word tzitzit is missing a yud. Tzadi yud, tzadi tap. Ve'emin yanam elachamesh miot be'tishim. He says, first of all, he says, the gematria doesn't work. Now, don't look at the puzzle. In other words, it doesn't matter whether Rashi's right or the Ramban's right. He says, but, but that's what the Ramban says. He says, first of all, the gematria doesn't work. So let's erase the whole gematria idea. That's the Ramban. The old shachutim ledad beit hilel einam elashlosha. And he says, you know, there's a machloket in the Mishnah, they tell him, but how many chutim, how many strings you need to make tzitzit? The way we do it is, you put four strings through a hole, and then you tie a knot. And that's called tzitzit. So you end up with eight hanging. Eight are hanging down, right? Four times two is eight. But according to Beit you only put in three and tie the knot, so you have six. So that also is going to mess up the gematria. So how could it be? How could it be the Rabban says that the whole idea of tzitzit only works according to Shammai and not according to Hillel? So that he can't understand. Baksharim mina Torah einam ela shtayim. And the ksharim mina Torah, that you only have to make a double knot. One double knot. is that The knot is supposed to make the strings a permanent part of the beget that you attach it to. In order for it to be permanent, you have to have a double knot. Right? You have to have a double knot. So he says only two knots. He says there are eight knots. Well, five knots. Einam shnaim kemosha amru shmamina keshel yonda. Right? And that only that first knot, even though when we make tzitzit there are more than one knot, one double knot, there are five double knots. But he says, no, that's only Midirabanan or Minhai. But Midoraita, Keshel Yodoraita, Disatadatoglav, the Raita, Kilai Mitzitzis, the Shara Rahmana Lamali, Hataimalan, Hatochev, Chifa Achat, they know Chibur. So in other words, it must be that only the first knot is Doraita, because you know that one of the features of Tzitzit is that you can make Kilayim, Shafnes, in Tzitzit. So that's only in the Doraita, that proves that only the first knot, it really counts. So, in other words, the Ramban says, the Ramban says, even if I would play the game, as Rashi does, and say that there's some kind of a numerical equivalency between tzitzit and mitzvot, that's not going to work. Because Rashi's position Rashi does not accommodate all the facts, even if I would accept Rashi's position. And therefore his attack on Rashi is technical. The technology counts, you don't get 613, that's what the Ramban says. But, this is only an introduction to what the Ramban really wants to say. And he says this, Aval hazikaron hu bechut and this is the whole pshat of the Ramban, and all the rest of it comes to explain this one line. This one line. He says, it comes to explain this line. In other words, memory the memory of all the mitzvot in the Torah comes from tchelet. Not from knots, and not from counting, and not from a gematria, but it comes from the fact that tchelet is part of the mitzvah tzitzit. So that means that I have my tzitzit, I look at the strings, I see one, one string of tchelet, and that reminds me of the entire Torah, all the mitzvot of the Torah. Now, of course, uh, how does it do that? How does it remind us of all the mitzvot of the Torah? So here the Ramban says something, I think, I think the Ramban says something very important, and something that we are interested in knowing. 
שהיא בכל והיא תכלית הכל ולכן אמר וזכרתם את כל שהיא מצוות השם וזהו שאמרו מפני שהתכלת דומה לים וים דומה לרקיע וזה גמר מנחות רקיע דומה לכיסא הכבוד וכולי והדמיון בשם גם הגוון תכלית המראות כי בחוקים יראו כולם כגוון ההוא ולפי כך נקרא תכלת So there you have it That's it The Ramban has explained It all comes from תכלת Now what I'd like to do is first relate to the Chazal that the Ramban quotes to the Medrash which you all know the Medrash says you see where it says the Gemara that men give over the bed Chelet Domel Yam the Yam Domel Rakia Rakia Domel Lekisei Hakavot again blue is like the sea and the sea is like the heaven and the heaven is like Kisei HaKavod God's throne and what does that mean? what could that possibly mean? what? what? how do you make a Kesher from the sea to the Kisei HaKavod? you have the sea and then you have the sky so if you're standing and looking at the sunset and you see the sea in the sky how do you get to the Kisei HaKavod? the sea is blue and the sky is blue and the Kisei HaKavod no evidence that it's blue how do you get to the Kisei HaKavod? what? the what? Luchot Oh, the Luchot is not in Torah, you mean? Live not... Well, I mean... What? Yeah, so what does that mean? Look, there is a problem that philosophers had. Today, we don't have any problems. I mean, no one's interested in a problem. Everybody wants to eat cornflakes in the morning and good food in what? And watch grow. Everything, no problems. But there used to be a problem. And the problem was this. If God is, if God is one, and here I mean, I mean that oneness is what uh, defines HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That, that itself is a hard thing to say. I, I'll try to explain it. Was, oneness means that there can only be one. Like It's not like I say that there's one table. Because I could have had two. I could have been declared I have one. But if the essence, if the essence is one, that's what HaKadosh Baruch is. That's in Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. That's, there can't be any more. So the question that the theologians asked, the philosophers asked, whatever it is you want to call them, was if God is one, how did the world become many? How is it that in the world there are more than one? Now you know that there's a Gemara. There's a Gemara in, uh, we're learning the Gemara in Prophets. The Gemara says, the Gemara says that you should not intimate when you doubt it, that there's more than one God not to say that there's more than one God but to intimate that there's one God like saying all the good is from God somehow implying that the bad is not from God but the bad is from something in the Mishnah already right? this Mishnah appears in the Megillah and it appears in Brokos in the Mishnah already the Tanoim were very concerned about this man. But maybe that they were concerned because of the Persians, you know, the Persians had certain kinds of beliefs. 
and they believed in duality, that's what we call it today. They believed that there was a good God and a bad God, and eventually the good God would beat the bad God. And this was an attractive idea. It was an attractive idea because people did not understand how come God made so much misery in the world. People didn't understand that. So, so today it doesn't bother us. We've been through all the misery you could possibly be through. We don't ask the question anymore. But in those days, that was a real question. How does God, who is one, produce things that are not God? Not God means rot, for example, evil, misery, sickness. All of those things should not be God. They should be from nowhere. That They shouldn't be. They shouldn't be, after all, the world comes from, the world comes from God, so it should be like God. And just like God is good and perfect and the way everything should be, so we should also be that way. Okay, so we have a little bit of an out with the idea of the chirach of sheet. But that's just pushing the envelope a little bit. How do you get, how is it possible that, that we have the chirach of sheet that we're all created from, by God? We should always choose to do the right thing. How do we choose to do the wrong thing? I, I don't want to get too involved with that. But one possible answer is, not an answer, I'm not giving you an answer because I don't know the answer, but I mean one possible way of thinking about it is that in creation, in creation, there are two kinds of creation. Right? Aleph, Bet, Yud, Ayin. That's what the Arizal says. The Arizal started that. Abia, right? Amira, Bria, Yitzira, Asiya. What is that? What did I just say? I said four Hebrew verbs. Four Hebrew verbs. It's not, not mysterious at all. Not at all. Four verbs. Now, what are these four verbs? What are these four verbs? They're the verbs that the Torah uses in describing creation. Pasuk number one. Reshit bara. Bara is a verb. God created. Right? Next pasuk. Vayomer Elohim Yehi Or. So how did God create Or? What was the verb that God used to create Or? Aleph Mem Resh. Amira. Yitzira, the Yitzira, God created man. Yud, Sadi, Resh. And Vayaz, Kolasher Asah, right? It's a verb. So these four verbs, these four verbs were the verbs that the Torah uses to describe God's enterprise in creating the world. So you understand that we would be interested in knowing the difference, why something is Amira, something is Briya, another thing is Yitzira. What, what's the connection between them? What's the difference between them? But that's not what concerns us at the moment. What concerns us at the moment is that there's another verb that's used in creation. There's another verb which of course everybody knew about the Arizal knew about it. He didn't include it in his four basic verbs. But there's another verb which is very important to remember. And what is that verb? What's the other verb? The other verb is Bet Dalit Lamet. Bet Dalit Lamet, which is Bayavdel. What does Bayavdel mean? Right? To differentiate. Right? After creation, of Alabed Yud Ayin, sometimes there is Vayavdeh. For example, when God created heaven and earth, how was heaven and earth created? Vayavdeh. What was the Vayavdeh between, in the Torah, the waters above and the waters below? So if Vayavdeh is a secondary level of creation, right, Aleph, Bet, Yud, Ayin, that's the first level. 
And by Abdel it's a secondary level. That means that if you're perceptive, you should be able to look at the Vayavdel in creation, and what are you going to see? What will you see? You're supposed to see before Vayavdel. That's what the Medrash in the Gemara says. You look at the Tzitzit, at the Tchelet, what do you see? You see blue. And the blue reminds you of, of the sea. And then the sea takes you to the sky. And why, if you look at the sea and the sky, do you then get to the Kisea Kabod? Why do you get there? Because you get somehow closer to the notion of unity. That's where you get to. Because unity means, unity, oneness, means before Vayavdel. Before Vayavdel. And so, the Tchelet enables me, according to the Ramban, of course, you have to be thinking in this way, you have to be educated in this way, you have to go to the Shul, to the base Medrash that the Ramban is learning in, you have to do all of those things, but if you look at the Tzitzit in an interesting manner, if you look to see and you say to yourself, why blue? What does blue do? Or what does blue mean? Because blue is the sea and the sky. That's what blue is. And if you look at the sea and the sky very, very closely, you can see before Vayavdel. And if you see before Vayavdel, you see the Kisei HaKavod. And if you see the Kisei HaKavod, then what do you actually see? You, or you feel, or you intuit, or you recognize that God wants something of us. And what God wants of us is mitzvot. That's what we call them. That's what we call them. That's the relationship. So the, the relation, what tzitzit does, according to the Ramban, is it brings us closer to this relationship with HaKadosh Baruch. Otherwise we come closer to, to the relationship with HaKadosh Baruch. We don't even need the Torah anymore. We understand that we need mitzvot. We understand that that's what God wants of us. So that's what the Ramban is saying. Now, how do I know that that's what he said? Let's look again at the Ramban. Let's look again. The Ramban says this. The Ramban says, Zikaronu b'chutat chedet. Right? So the Ramban says, it's all in the blue. It's all in the blue. Without the blue, you can't, you don't remember anything. It has nothing to do with the gematria, even though the Ramban doesn't say that gematria is not legitimate, but he says, look, this gematria that Rashi posits just doesn't work out. So you see that the way he, uh, the way he did it, the way he did the, uh, the dictionary, the Ramban's dictionary, is that the word techelet, which has the letters kaf lamet in the middle, right, which means kol, everything, it's the everything word, right, and for the Kabbalists, that word kol is a very important word, and so they would explain that the Hashem be'rachet Abraham ba'kol. That Abraham was blessed with kol. What does Rashi say? That he had a son. First, they had a daughter. That he didn't have a daughter. He had a son. Right? Ba'kol. What is what is that ba'kol? So the Kabbalists said that ba'kol is when you see it all as one. When all the the division. In the world, I mean, a, a, a great religious personality like Avram Avinu was able to see more than other people. What is it that you see? What is it? Of course, he was a prophet. Of course, he spoke to God. But what, but what did he see? He saw the cold. He saw the oneness. 
And therefore, he says, the Ramban says, that the word chelet is the word kol. Right? A kol. Right? What's it say in the Pasuk? You see what it says in the Pasuk? Vayalach, Pasuk Labetet. Vayalach, Hametzitzit, Devit, Vatos, Chartemet, Kol. In other words, he's reading it uh, both ways. Kol mitzvot means, Kol mitzvot means all of the mitzvot. But Kol for the Rabban stands on its own. Ureitem, Uzechartem, Et Kol. You suddenly become aware of the cumulative nature of God. Shehi mitzvot Hashem. So what do you see? What is it that you recognize? What is it that you realize that the relationship between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Am Yisrael is about mitzvot? That's what you recognize. Shehi mitzvot Hashem. amru. And then we explain this medrash, right? And then he says, "Vadimayom v'shem gam hagaven tachlit hamarot." That somehow this this coloring is the tachlit, is the purpose, is the is the uh, uh, purpose of all colors that you might see. Kiberchokim yirukulam kigavenahu. And he had this idea: you stay far, far, far away, everything comes out to be blue. Everything looks a little bluish. I don't know whether he's right or he's wrong. I don't know what he means. In other words, it's like close to black. Something, a blue that's close to black. Therefore, we call it chelet. That's what, that's what the Ramban says. So that the Ramban says, the Ramban thinks, he's like thinking to himself. He's saying, you know, you know the Ramban, the Ramban doesn't always explain things Kabbalistically. Rahman sometimes says, maybe Yabim, he says, oh, if you go and study more, you might find out more things. Here, the Rahman doesn't even say that this is a Kabbalistic interpretation. The Rahman just says, look, there's no hope. This is it. I mean, if you don't, if you don't follow my lead, you'll never understand what this Pasuk means. And Rashi's attempt to cover up to make it seem as though it's a matter, uh, a trivial matter. Like you count the number of letters and the words and, and, and it comes out to Tariyad. That certainly is trivializing the idea according to the Rabban. But the Rabban, you know, I, again, if you wanted to, if you wanted to, and you wanted to say to yourself, you want to say to yourself, you know, beauty. Beauty? I mean, we may disagree about what it is. But all of us recognize that we have a weakness for beauty. And all of us recognize that if people who are not religious, when they see a glorious sunset, or they see the sky setting into the, into the sea, or they see the day breaking. You know days break? You know why the day breaks? Because it separates the, the, what's up and what's down. And when dust comes, it all comes together. So what do you like more? The sunrise or the sunset? I don't know. You like them both, right? Everybody likes it. People go and they say, people who don't know anything about art, who've never been to a museum in their lives, who are not interested not interested in any of these subjects. They go and they stand there and they see a sunset and they... It's just maddening. It's maddening. There's a, an intuitive... There's nothing intuitive about going to a museum and looking at, at art. You know, somebody going to tell you, well, this is him and this is where he lived, this is what he did, and this is, you know, and this is really great because no one could do this until he came along there. But they take the same person who knows nothing, nothing about aesthetics, nothing about art, Nothing. And you stick them in front of a sunset? Maddening. And who can withstand? Who can withstand the beauty of a, of a sunset, right? Who can withstand the beauty of the Scottish highlands? Who can? 
Nobody can. I mean, you just stand there and you say, wow. You know, I mean, even though we like to say that, uh, that Israel is beautiful, but I'm not sure the Scottish Highlands are embarrassed. <laughs> but, uh, so, so, so you see. So what, is, what, it, what does it mean? What is it exactly that the Ramban is teaching us? He's teaching us that we have the capacity to see the, the togetherness in nature. And the tzitzit comes to tell us what it is that that capacity should be used for. Because it could be just wasted. Or if not wasted, trivialized. You know, yeah, great, a great sunset, another great sunset. You know, like, but, but according to the Ramban, this innate capacity that we have to appreciate beauty. I mean, this is not, it's not obvious. I mean, like people like chocolate bars. You know, again, I like chocolate bars, but why do they like to look at sunsets? What is it? What is it? What, so, so that we have, we have this, um, we, we, we have this capacity. And if HaKadosh Baruch put that capacity into us, like we were talking to the Ramban, so the Ramban would say that that capacity is, is it, uh, gives us the opportunity to express ourselves as religious people. I'm not saying it's only as religious people, but I say religious people will use that capacity religiously, just like they use music religiously. I don't mean, I don't mean uh, music that we sing uh, religious words to. I don't mean that. I mean music. Music. Everybody has a capacity to, to appreciate certain kinds of music. Music is a little more, uh, uh, you have to develop a taste for it. You don't develop a taste for a sunset, but you have to develop a taste for other things. But music you have to develop a taste for, certainly. And art you have to develop a taste for. But you have the capacity to develop that taste. That, that you didn't buy in the store. You didn't go and take it. So for the rabbi, it's chita. It's chita that you have that capacity, you have to use it to be a better religious personality. Yeah. The sunset was continuous, and I don't think we would feel that way. Because it's momentarily, we capture it. Yeah, but you can say to yourself, so why did God create the world that way? And it was the world is created. You're right. If the world was different, so everything would be different. But God created the world that there are sunsets. The sunsets come and they go and they are impressive. We stand there and we look at them. So what is it we're doing when we stand there and we look at the sunsets? So the Rabban says, look, everybody's looking for God. Everybody's looking for God. So, so where are you going to find God exactly? Where? What? Uh, okay. That's what I think, I think the Ramban would say that. So some people would say, okay, you find God, we go to a cemetery, you go to a historical site, you go to a, you know, I don't know. I don't say so go on a tour in Israel, somebody tells you, this was the eye. You know, this is where Yoshua was uh, uh, beating up on the people that came to Eretz Israel. So you see God? I don't know. Personally, I don't go for it. But sunset? That's the greatest. It makes your afternoon, like it makes your day. It's like you're a different person. Beauty is, is exhilarating. Beauty is exhilarating and beauty is there for everybody to appreciate. We could all, we could all do that. So the Ramban says, the Ramban says, if you want to find God, right? Chaymas, tzitzis, you want to find God, you find God in the seam of Vayavdev. But you know, when you look out in the sea, and you see the sky, it's not just a scene that you see. But you see the sunset, you see the sunrise, you see more than what you actually see. I mean, a sunset is not a sunset. It's something. It's something remarkable. And it, it, uh, it drives us crazy. It's not just, well, we can say, look, you know, there have been uh, 52 billion sunsets before. So there's nothing to get excited about. But you do get excited. You get excited when you see natural beauty. That's that we have a, 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 an inclination to like beauty in nature, to go for it. But we can develop other tastes that are part of the aesthetic. 
We could develop taste for the art, we could develop taste for music, we could develop taste for literature, all of those things, all of those things, uh, uh, if you are that kind of person, lead you to God. And here, in this case, in the case of the sunset or the sunrise, here the Ramban is trying to explain to us, the Ramban is trying to explain to us is that God is right there. God is right there because if, you, if your world consists of the Chumash and the Gemara and the Mishnah, that's the world you live in, then you can't forget the fact that the world was created by Yavdel. And that by Yavdel means there are seams. Right? It was all one and then there's a seam. And if you look carefully in the seam, you can see beyond it. You don't want to say that uh, when you go to the Kotel, the first time you take somebody to the Kotel, they never see the seam that heard this built. You know, heard this extended the western wall, right? So you know it ever sees it. And then you point to it. You say, look at that seam. Look at that seam. And then they see it. And the reason they don't see it is because they're looking, they're not looking at the Kotel. They're looking at the Harabah. They want to, like, like, you know that the Kotel is just an introduction to what's beyond the Kotel. And that the seam doesn't mean that much. But after it's pointed out to you, so you understand this, you have to get to that point in nature where the seam is not there. It's just not there. You get to the higher level of, the higher level of creation. So all of this has to do, all this has to do with sensitives that even though for a variety of reasons we Jews are afraid of developing these kinds of sensitivities, uh, because there's a certain danger implied, right? In other words, when we don't control the, the enterprise, so who knows what might happen? I mean, I understand that. I'm not talking about, I'm not trying to deal with practical uh, 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 issues involved. But you know, art and music, they're also used for all kinds of other things, for things that you don't want to associate yourself with uh, necessarily. Okay, so it's a problem. It's a problem. But I think that that's what the Ramban is saying. The Ramban is saying that, that we have the ability to look at things in a, in a remarkable way. And what I add to that, I think, is that that's, that's what beauty is. Beauty is, beauty is like, like the capacity to see the divine. Now the word beauty is, of course, used in different ways, at different times, with different people, and I can't claim that I, uh, that I have a unique definition that everybody will, will agree to, but there is a beauty there is such a thing which enables us to see more, to smell more, to breathe more, you know. It, it's like, uh, it's, it's there, it's really there. It's really there. I remember the first time that I was, uh, I just love it, uh, the first time I was in, uh, in Amsterdam, and I went to that museum, the Reichs Museum it's called. And you go to that room, it's like a tremendous room, and you have the, you know, the Rembrandt is hanging all the way at the other end of the room. It's absolutely astounding. It's, I mean, you don't have to know anything about art. When I went, I didn't know anything about art. I won't say that I know too much about art now. But when I went, at first I didn't know anything about it. But it, just, it was just hard not to be overwhelmed. I mean, you had to be really uh, out, of, out of the world. Just you look at it, and it's just like well, you don't know what it is exactly. It's not like you knew exactly what he was trying to do or what, he, what the, the message is, but it's just, it's just astounding. So this capacity that you see from art, you see people. There are people who who have talent. They that's what they call it. We call it talent. And and I don't want to be like them, but they do things for me. You know, like, like you know, there are all kinds of people who are artists who live strange lives and do all kinds of odd things, and and uh, and they think that's what you're supposed to do. I don't want to be like them. I think I have a good deal the way I am, but they do things for me. They are, they work for me. I wouldn't hire them, but they work for me. They make all of this. They make me. They make it possible for me to to breathe all these kinds of different things. It has what? Coal. Yeah. So, are you relating to that or... So, coal, I, I tell you, coal is the capacity to see the oneness in things. I didn't want to talk about spherot. According to the, to the Rabban's theory, all the spherot go into the sphera of malchut, 
Chesed, Gvurah, Tiferes, Neitzah, Chodesod, Malchut. And Malchut is a kind of a, 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 of a place that it all comes into. It all comes into Malchut before it goes into the world. So that if you, you get out of the world into Malchut, you somehow get a feeling, as much of a feeling for God as you could possibly have. And that's what Avram Avinu had. No, he's not. He's, he's ready to both. He says, on the one hand, Chayot is blue. That's the Medrash in the Gemara that says that the blue is like the sea, is like the sky, is like Yisayat Avot. But on the other hand, there's another word that's hidden in Chaylet, and that's the word cold. And that has its independent uh, kind of connection. Ultimately, according to the Ramban, these two things mean the same thing. They come, they bring you to the same, they bring you to the same point. Let's look a little more at the Ramban. Okay, he ends. Uh, let's look at the, the Ramban. So he says that this is always a problem. Coming close to God, or coming close to us, like Nadav Aviu, uh, uh, who might have had a good, a positive reason for doing whatever they did, but they did something that was forbidden. And therefore they were killed. So that whenever you come close to God, or when you feel that you're in that direction, then the problem of idolatry arises, right? Uh, and we know that a lot of art in ancient times was used to promote idolatry. That's what the pasuk means. Why does the pasuk continue and say, So he says, look, it's a problem. Understanding is a problem. Reaching up to heaven is a problem. Minut means an unacceptable religious position. Like you're not leaving the Jewish people. As you don't think you are, but you may have a, you may be interested in Christianity. Being a Jew and being a Christian, that's minut. But, or, See, that's always a problem. The Ramban recognizes. That's the Gemara of Chagigo, but Arba'ah, the Pardes. I'm talking about the greatest Tanaim of the, of the generation, perhaps the greatest religious personalities of all time. But when they, when they got very, very close to understanding about God, it produced unexpected results, including Acher, right? Elisha ben Abuya, who became, who threw it all away, and wouldn't do any of the mitzvot. In other words, you have to remain grounded. I, I imagine... That this is what the Ramban, even though I don't want to editorialize too much, I think the Ramban is saying, you need sitzes. You need sitzes. You can't just be a free thinker. You can't just go to the museum. Right? You can't just be uh, 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 in love with beauty. You can't just, you need, you need what they would say today, what they say, boundaries. Boundaries is a big word, right? It's like, solves all the problems. You have a problem, the boundaries are no good. Or they're too good, or not good, or whatever it is. Boundaries. That, so boundaries, boundaries, that's Habayot Abayei Verev. Boundaries is the Gemara. It's the Shulchan Aruch. So if you have the Gemara, that's what the Rambam says. The Rambam says, look, you have to have the Habayot Abayei Verev. Yeah, you can be a philosopher. But you can't be a philosopher if you don't know the, the Torah. Because then, you can't deal with it. You have no... It was, you have to keep in mind somehow that you know the answer, that you know where you're going, even though you're doing a free investigation, but you have to know where it is that you're going. He says, So in other words, there is this danger that's the maskil yavin, that you should understand 
that coming close to God is always dangerous because the questions that you have about God become greater. And if you start, we started off, we talked about achdut, and we said, where does evil come from? So you come closer to God, so that anot become greater, unless you are kind of fixed within the Torah, the mitzvot, the halacha, then you need that. Then bin Medrashos Rabbi Nechunaya ben Akone. This is a book called, what's this book called? The Bahir, right? The book called the Bahir, it was translated by Arya Kaplan into English. Everything Arya Kaplan ever did was uh, outstanding. You can always trust Arya Kaplan. He, uh, he was a tremendous, uh, had a tremendous mind. And he was, uh, he, his, he thought that what he should do is sell Kabbalah to the masses. So I don't know about that. Uh, I don't, but I'm saying, if you take an Arya Kaplan book, you could trust him. He tells you something, and he quotes a source, it's really there. It's amazing. It's amazing. He's like the antithesis of Artsgrove. Uh, Artsgrove doesn't think that anybody ever studied Kabbalah. But the truth is that some people must have. Right? As you see, my new Eretz the Nechtiva Mimenu Shamayim. He says, in this book called Bahir, there is a pshat in the Pasuk, Vietron Eretz. You see, now since you're all Kabbalists already, so you know how it works. What's Yitron? What does the word Yitron mean? It means excess, right? Overflow. Overflow Eretz, <laughs> overflow of earth. Bakol, who is in the the Kabbalist, right? Coal. It's it's in the coal of it, right? It's not just a stama word. But now, every time you're going to see that word bakol, you're going to get nervous, and rightfully so. He says, "What does that remind me? Who? What is it that is the Yitron? Eretz the Nechzevami Menu Shamay." This is what it says in the Bahir. The earth, there's nechzevami men, uchwarit. That's a word? Quarried out of the earth is heaven. Right? Quarried out of the earth is heaven. And that's kisei akavot. So what, is, what does this mean? That it's not only the water, which is blue, and the sky, which is blue, but it's even the earth, the earth itself, from which was quarried the heaven. And that, when you see that, when you see that the heaven was quarried out of the earth, then you see that is a, 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 a precious stone. Yam ha and this is the sea of wisdom meaning you understand. Right, so and parallel is the idea of Khailet in a talit on the tzitzit, the Anar Rabbi Meir Manishtana Hatrezi quotes the Sefer Bahir, he the Ramban quotes the Sefer Bahir, and in the Sefer Bahir it says and there's another another pasuk someplace in Torah which teaches us this same idea, and that's the pasuk in Kohelet Yitron Eretz Bakolu. What's the overflow? What's the overflow of Eretz of the earth? Heavens. It all is the same. If you look at it correctly, it all comes out to be the same. And then the Sefer Bereshit says, and that's the pshat. Sitzit, Tchelet, etc. So there you have it. I think what we're interested in, I mean, we're interested in Pshat and Tosuf. We saw Rashi, we saw the Ramban, but really what's going on is, is do the mitzvot, do doing mitzvot, leave me in the world of distinctions? Like 7 o'clock in the morning I do this, 10 o'clock in the morning I do that. Friday I do this, Shabbos I do that, if you know everything has its time and its place. Is that the world I live in? Or is there another world where I can see beyond? 
I can see beyond the distinctions and to see something that's whole. I suggest that another way of learning the Ramban is to translate the Ramban into the notion of beauty, which everybody, uh, everybody is sympathetic to, right? But not everybody is willing to develop uh, in themselves in a, in a more serious manner. What? No, no, it doesn't. That's my idea. But I said, I said, if the Ramban was here, we were talking to the Ramban, I think that's what he would say. If he said sunset, he would understand exactly what, what it is that we were talking about. And so the Ramban, you know, came from Spain. They were very, they were all modern orthodox. <laughs> Okay, so this is your body. It's a zephyr. It's a zephyr for the sisters. But I don't know that. No, not that it. Wait, wait a second. You have a situation where the sisters don't do what they were originally supposed to do. I mean, according to Rashi, they do. But according to Ramban, they don't. So now, so, so what do you do today? So still, we, we have a mission drop on one called wearing sisters in the hope that someday we'll be able to do it in the right way. We don't want to forget the mission. It's a zeichel, it's not bottom. Well, uh, you know, is usually, uh, they could be like the base hamikdash. Zeichel, you can't do it. You can't do it, there's no base hamikdash, so we have a certain things, we have a zeichel. This is similar. This is, but we call it a mitzvah bottom. And maybe, uh, so, so that's why the recovery of tcheles is of interest. Unfortunately, or fortunately, unfortunately, I don't know, it's very hard to prove that even the that's sold by the guys in the front, which is very reasonable, it's very reasonable that, that they're right, but reasonable doesn't mean that they're right, because something else can come along that's more reasonable, so then you have a choice between wearing the tzitzes that your father and grandfather wore, or wearing the new tzitzes, which is sort of like saying, I'm finished with that old style tzitzes, I'm doing this because, even though I don't know that it's correct. Right, so that's a that's an interesting question. There's a famous, uh, the Briskarov of Yishabev said that, that you can't do that. The Rav Chaim's father, the Beis HaLevi, the Beis HaLevi said, you know, we don't do that. But I mean, it's an interesting question. It's an interesting question. Uh, um, as far as the post-game are concerned, there's a kind of division. Some people, even the people who like it, don't admit that they like it. It's not like, you know, everybody's a little nervous about it. Well, what happened to the Rajin, you know, the Rajina was the God of Hador. He, he, he was the one who started this Tcheles business. And Rav Herzog, when he was in Dublin, Rav Herzog, who was the second chief rabbi, or the first, the second, I mean, Rav Cook died in 1935, right? And then Rav Herzog became chief rabbi of Eretz Israel. And he was chief rabbi when the state of Israel was declared. So he's either the first or the second, depending on how, how you look at it. But Rav Herzog was in Dublin during World War I. He was a young man. He was uh, 25, he was early 20, and he had nothing to do, Rav Herzog, because he, there was a war going on, and he apparently knew Kolatora Kula Balpeh. He didn't have any books, but he knew everything by heart, and, he had, he, and there was nothing for him to do, so he went to university. And in the university, he wrote two doctorates, because he had nothing to do. Actually, it was very easy for him, because he didn't have to look anything up. So you imagine, you write things, and you don't have to look anything up, so it goes a lot faster. So I've heard that he had that kind of a memory, really. He had a, he had an, uh, a Gothic kind of memory. And he knew everything, so he wrote two doctorates. But one of his doctorates was about royal purple. It was about this, and he proved that the Radziner was wrong. The Radziner was the God of Ador, you know, in Poland. But he proved that the Radziner was wrong. So since that time, people are a little nervous about suggestions. Of, uh, I mean, the Radziner, the Hasidim, they still have, they still use that kind of tales. You can see, you can go to, you know, the Regina Shtibel and buy Tcheles, but 
now, the, uh, when, they, when I saw the demonstration many years ago, these guys are also started, not only from the front, but the, one of our students is also involved. I saw the demonstration, they convinced me. What? Yeah, they changed color in the sun. That was the problem. They needed the uh, photosynthesis. That, that's what no one else figured out. That they figured out to just leave it on the sun and the color it produces a dye, a blue dye. They couldn't get it blue because the stuff that came out of the squid was black. They couldn't get it to turn blue, so they fooled the Rajzina apparently. The guys in Italy who were selling it, and they put in blue dye. You know, which didn't come from the squid that he, that he was using because he didn't realize that you had to leave it out and let it uh, let it uh, mix with the sun. But then, then it was figured out in modern times that it worked. But still, we don't know that that's exactly the thing that it's supposed to come from. That we don't know. Imagine, you know, you go to the same place and say, hey, look around and find something, but uh, things could change. Things may have changed. Okay. All the best. Have a good Shabbos.